coming into a retreat like this, we, we kind of create a sort of, in a way, a, a boundary or a container around ourselves to support the process of tuning into our inner experience and to kind of moderating and we could say even um, reducing the degree of input that we're receiving. The amount that we have to kind of internally handle and process. And within that there's a real real benefit to the simplifying and the, the stepping back from our normal sort of range of what what comes towards us and with that in mind I nonetheless wanted to just name that uh, I heard from a couple of different people this morning and I was glad to be informed that a, a dear and beloved teacher to many, um, Thich Nhat Hanh and to some of us here passed away last night for us although it was in fact Saturday in Vietnam when it took place and thank you for who let me know. Um, he was a, as I said, dearly beloved to many, many, both spiritual practitioners and meditators, a teacher, a guide, but he was also an activist and a, a powerful force for transformation in our world in relationship to initially the, the Vietnam War as a Vietnamese Buddhist monk, but also in with regard to social justice issues in various realms. And um, and so I'm just naming that as a, someone who, in a way, was a leader, very clearly a leader within the, the world of meditation, of Buddhism, of mindfulness, of the interface between activism and inner work, spiritual development. And uh, I certainly felt myself impacted and touched to hear that news. He's not been well for quite some time and age 95 in one sense, it's not a tragedy. But nonetheless, it's significant. A a great, powerful and significant person in so many people's lives has has passed on. And engaging in spiritual practice is something informed by our awareness of the transitoriness of human existence, that we're not here forever. And our engagement seeking transformation in the world is equally, to my mind, informed by the the vulnerability of life that is subject in so many ways to the impact of what takes place, for better and for worse. And And for anyone for whom this is particularly significant, I invite you to just, if you wish and would want to spend a little time with your remembering, your appreciating, your wishing well for Thai, as he was known. I met him only once in person. About 30 years ago he came to teach a course here in Devon and all of us who were then living and working at Guy House took the opportunity to go over and spend a little time with him and the community he was with. And so, uh, and his writings also were something significant in my own learning and journey as a as a as a meditator. I'll maybe say a little bit more at some further point, but somehow that seemed to become and wish to be spoken of at this time. So, for those of you who this person's not someone who you 
necessarily have a connection to or knowledge of. Just also noticing what it's like to receive the information and allowing it to land with you in whatever way that it does. Which, and trusting that that's okay. It may or may not have significant impact. And that's all right. And so the, the practice that we're engaged in here, which we call in this tradition insight meditation, is a practice concerned with waking up, in simple terms, to what is possible for us as human beings and coming to more and more fully embody that possibility. And the quality of wakefulness itself is at the very heart of what we engage with. This capacity, rather natural and ordinary capacity we have, to be conscious, to be aware, to know in the moment of our experience what is happening, as simply, this is happening right now. And in doing so also to become more aware of the the patterns and the tendencies that we see playing out in our lives, in our world, and equally in our hearts and our mind. And these things, of course, are not so separate. The patterns that we see playing out in our world, for better and for worse, we can see equally expressed in our own hearts and minds. Movements of kindness, compassion and generosity. Movements at time of, of selfishness or of the disregard for others or even hatred and lack of care. We see so many things in the world, and we can see so many things in ourselves. And this practice is really founded on our capacity to see what's taking place. And from that, to incline towards what we value, what we love, what we appreciate and what we wish for there to be more of while at the same time understanding that we're not in control of what takes place in the world and we're equally not actually in control of what takes place in our own experience and this is tricky when we encounter this we like often to think if we haven't examined it too carefully that we might be able to determine what happens here. And we can absolutely influence what takes place. And yet many factors bear upon what happens, what the outcomes will be. And so, as we engage in the meditative practice, we're asked to be curious, to be interested in what's happening, but not too much to be evaluating our performance, our success or failure as we might conceive it, but just noticing what it's like as we engage in the process that's suggested as we follow the instructions that are offered. And as I said, the overarching instruction and invitation here is to to explore what it means to be awake, to be conscious, to be 
directly in contact with the immediacy of our experience as it unfolds, moment by moment. We can live our lives so easily lost in the realms of past and future and not really able to separate ourselves from the, the power they hold over us. And of course, past and future are significant. In the past, we can, and reflecting on what has been before, we can learn so much. The future, too, is important. Where our lives are going, where our world is going, is of significance, immensely so. But spiritual teachings point again and again to the, the power of relating to what we can learn from the past and what we aspire to in the future, relating to that from a place of deep connection with where we are, a deep connection with the immediacy of our experience just now as it is. And so we begin the journey as a, as a training, in a sense, of our attention, the capacity we have for noticing experience is often dominated by reactivity (coughs) dominated by patterns and habits that we didn't decide upon or choose ourselves but that we learnt well before we even knew we were learning them from people who learnt them likewise and that do not necessarily serve our greater well-being or our world Becoming aware of what's taking place is the beginning, is the foundation from which transformation can flow. And attention here is the the primary field of development in our initial engagement, the ability to know what's happening. We talk about paying attention, it's interesting. It's kind of like currency. Maybe we've had our early experience of being told, you know, pay attention. Or even concentrate, you, in a classroom, grumpy teacher, as if we should be able to keep our mind on a topic that doesn't interest us. And mostly we find that's not possible. But understanding that attention is, is actually one of the most precious things we have. When we talk about paying attention, or give me your attention. Oh, it's oh, oh, someone's demanding it. You know, pay attention. But what is it if we move, feel moved to offer our attention, to give, in a sense of an extending and a sharing of something, a directing of something, that's a, a fundamental resource that we easily take for granted until we've examined the effect of how it is used, how it engages. And that we can, with some training and gentle diligence, a kindly application of our intentionality and our willingness to explore, we can train this capacity to serve what is important to us. To not be so quickly and easily captured by the patterns and the habits of reactivity that very easily lead us to be lost in the realms of the thinking mind, of emotional responses and thinking stories of past and of future. 
without judging any of that, without rejecting any of that, which has its place in our lives. The invitation is to notice when it's taking place. And without judging it, without judging ourselves, bring our attention back to the place we've chosen to rest it, to establish it, to gather it, we could say. So the process is one of developing a capacity which is natural to us, but perhaps still latent, or not developed as fully as it can be. Because this capacity for paying attention has no limit to how far it can be developed. The possibilities go way beyond what we may imagine or conceive in our ordinary day-to-day minds. And yet I think we can quite quickly start to sense the possibility and the value of what is offered by an attention that can be guided and directed by our deepest caring, our deepest wish for well-being. And this principle applies equally in the larger contexts of life. Where our collective attention goes is often the critical question for what will be possible. And here, the invitation is just for now to to work within the framework of the meditation practice initially. Noticing what it's like as you bring your attention to the direct experience of your body, sitting here, breathing in and breathing out. We can notice our tendency to want to fix onto, to hold, or to tightly attach our attention to an experience. If we notice that, we'll notice there's a, a tendency to tighten, to harden, to contract that goes with that. Whether we're trying to hold on to an experience or if we're trying to somehow avoid or get rid of an experience we find difficult. There's a tightening and a contracting that takes place. And so so although any area of our experience could be usefully employed to develop attentiveness, and there are many, many different ways and tools and techniques that can be used, One of the real advantages of using our body as the primary field for this is that we become aware, we can sense in the body that process of tightening and contraction. And we can facilitate in the body the possibility of softening and opening to the experience that we find ourselves in. And in this, to be really clear, we're engaging in a process of training and developing a capacity of heart and mind to attend without judgment. Or if we notice some judgment of our experience arising, not judging that, just seeing, huh, okay, that's judgment. We can notice that too. So it's not suggesting there's any experience that should be happening or shouldn't be happening. 
but exploring what's possible for us to simply abide in our experience consciously and to see what serves that, what supports that, what allows that. One of the elements that's supportive for that is the intention. And this is primary, the intention to be present, attentive, to be connected in a, in a sensitive and kindly way, not demanding our experience be a certain way, not demanding that it feel pleasant or entertaining, and it sometimes won't be. So making space for that. Coming into this out of a recognition of our wish for our deepest well-being, which includes the deepest well-being of all. These cannot be separated, and yet we can work in this particular place. I sometimes think of meditation as the, the ultimate expression of the activist slogan I remember learning in the 80s when I was first uh, kind of becoming more engaged and it might have even been the 70s actually, gosh it was a while ago think globally, act locally the most local action is right here with the forces manifest in this human being of distractedness, of reactivity that lead when they play out in the world collectively to much of what we might wish to address. And so it's not necessary to think too much about all that. But just to see what's possible for you right here, moment by moment as we practice. With the posture, it's really helpful to have a sense of contact with the ground. There's something profoundly supportive about that. That recognizing that there is that upon which we can rest. And we can call it the cushion, the floor, the chair. We can call it the earth. It doesn't matter if we don't call it anything. But just noticing that at some level, very clearly... This body is supported to be here. It has a foundation upon which it can rest. And actually sensing and feeling that directly can be so helpful. And so we often will be invited to begin with this. If you're sitting in a chair not including the kneeling chairs which some of you are using, but if you're sitting in a regular chair, it's really helpful to have your feet flat on the ground, which I think you seem to have, which is great, rather than crossing the legs or sort of pointing them out forwards. If you're sitting on the floor, and as may well be the case, I don't see that, but if you notice that it stresses your body to have your feet or your knees touching the ground, you can put something underneath them just to prop them up. So if your legs are a bit more comfortable, slightly higher off the ground, you can put a cushion underneath it. 
support it. I'll say more about the posture in a session a bit later, but it seems most of you, from what I can see, have got a reasonably good sense of that, which is great. And from that sense of connection with the ground, what the quality of uprightness brings in our body is really important. We're not trained, most of us. We don't learn to sit upright. We learn to slouch in a chair or lean on a backrest, which is okay. But there's something about uprightness, what it means to be upright and to embody that, to express that in our body, with our body, that really supports the heart and mind in this too. And a simple quality of dignity and self-supporting to sit upright. If you need support because there's some vulnerability, injury or other concern with, with the back, that's of course fine to use from a chair or if needed a wall to lean on. That's okay. Though I'd encourage you to put the support in the lower back in that case so that the gentle curve in your lower back is supported. And that means often that the pelvis needs to be either quite upright or even slightly tilted forward. Ever so slightly, allowing the small, the gentle curve in the small of the back to be supported. And that requires that your knees are not higher than your hips, because otherwise it's really hard to stop your pelvis tilting, tilting back. So you can just notice what it's like to just gently move your pelvis a little back and forth. What happens in your body if your shoulders stay in the same place as you just gently move your pelvis a little. Not pushing too hard into the belly, but equally not rolling backwards and flattening the curve of the lower back. It takes time to find a posture that works. It takes time for the body to adjust. But when we find that, the posture the body actually rests in uprightness. Gravity draws the body into the posture rather than pulling the body out of the posture. But there's time for your body to find its way with that. And if as we're practicing you notice at some point that you need to change your posture to not end up in a battle with it, then that's okay to just do so mindfully, slowly, carefully. There's no need to make your body a place of intense struggle in terms of non-movement. We're all moving as we breathe anyway. So changing posture is just another movement and can be included in the practice. So bringing your attention again very fully into your body. Feeling the firmness beneath you resting on the earth. 
upright, alert and sitting with dignity. Acknowledging the space above and around you that allows this. Being right here underneath the sky as we are. And relaxing, releasing, allowing any parts of your body that may be holding or tight. Allowing them to know it's alright to let go, to soften, to relax, even if that doesn't happen straight away, or at all. Just nonetheless inviting it in a kindly way. And again, gathering your attention in this simple, immediate experience of your body sitting right here, breathing in and out, not conceiving or thinking about it so much or trying to make an image of it, but feeling directly whatever it is you sense, whatever it is you feel. Whatever it is you notice as your body breathes in and breathes out. What you notice as your body is sitting here on the earth and beneath the sky. Just as it is. not rejecting the other experiences that might arise, but equally not needing to pick them up and do something with them. Allowing whatever comes to come, and equally allowing whatever leaves to leave. But again and again, returning your attention to your body, Sitting, breathing in and out, just as it does. Being conscious and wakeful, sensitive. and present right here, just as you are.
reconnecting and beginning again if you need to for these last few minutes of the meditation. Simply connecting with, attending to this body breathing just as you are. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.